0: Well, ladies and gentlemen welcome back to your crypto weekly market update where we cover everything that's happening in the great world of cryptocurrency from the technicals on the charts to the fundamentals in the news we spend the time doing hours of research so that you don't have to and man there's a lot happening in the great world of crypto this week there's a lot to cover from everything that happened last week and of course i'm joined by super producer tivo himself so tivo how you feeling over there on the west side?
1: Yeah, that's right. The west side of Florida. You got two Florida men here giving you all the crypto news that you need. Uh, we aren't joined by our, our, uh, our trusty leader Bryce over on the west coast in San Diego. So it's the Florida men today. But uh, wild, wild news week. There's always something. There's always something in this space. It's, it's wild. It never, uh, it never disappoints with, with stuff to talk about.
0: Yeah, I mean, man, I couldn't agree more with you there. I think one of the one of the biggest takeaways that I saw from last week was just everything that was going on with Solana. And we were talking about Solana last week. We are like, all right, maybe we'll take a break from it. But no, it's right back in the news, this time for not quite as bullish reasons. Uh, and for everyone that doesn't know, Solana went offline for a period of around five hours or so. And so typically, this is is not a great thing to see. Uh, and it usually has a negative impact on price. In fact, the last time that we saw this happen to Solana previously was back in April of 2023. And again, we've seen it several times before that as well. And again, it's never really been a positive thing, and it makes sense. Um, blockchains aren't meant to go offline. I mean, you look at Bitcoin, for example, It's really never been offline. You look at Ethereum. I can't tell you the last time that Ethereum went offline for something negative, you know, maybe briefly for like an upgrade or something like that, which we have another one of those coming. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, this thing happened and everyone was kind of waking up and going, oh no, I'm dreading looking at the charts, (laughs) but sure enough, I was nearly unaffected by it. And so what I want want to kind of do here is transition us over to the Solana chart itself because it's so interesting that this had, again, little to no effect on price. So if you are you know, one of the people that's watching on YouTube, and I wanna throw this reminder out there, that for all these charts and everything that we're referencing, um, you're going to be able to see that on YouTube. So if you're a Spotify or Apple Music listener, um, again, you can see all the visuals on YouTube as well. But if we go over to the Solana chart here, then what we'll see here, and I'm going to switch this back to a daily timescale, is that when this happened over here, um, over on Solana, uh, price was basically unaffected. In fact, it ended the last two days green. It ended yesterday about one and a half percent green. And even today, it's up from yesterday's open. So overall, you know, we'd expect a much more bearish candle from an entire blockchain going offline. Uh, but we didn't see that. Now, why do we bring this up? Well, I think that this kind of goes to tell the tale of of where Solana is at right now. So we've been talking about how optimistic Solana has been in terms of both technicals and fundamentals, especially in last week's episode, Um, but kind of tuning back in over here, this is just about one of the worst things that can happen to a blockchain and prices didn't dump. Now, if that couldn't get this thing to dump, if FTX and the whole Black Swan previous market crash that we just saw couldn't get this thing to die, I'm not sure what will. And so we're looking at this thing and I'm going, everything that could be thrown at Solana is getting thrown at it. And it's still holding value relatively well. In fact, I would say better than relatively well. It ended yesterday green after going offline, which I mean, man, that's just such a an obscure thing to do. And I can't say that I've probably ever seen that before. Uh, so overall, a really great thing for Solana being able to hold value so well. And again, I think that tells the tale of where Solana is at right now and who's in control of um, the Solana chart and Solana prices. Because when you look at something that isn't going to, to dip after something like that, that just means that there's so much buyers. And I was kind of hoping... That we would see some sort of pullback because I've been wanting to buy the dip on Solana and it's down a little bit from the yearly high right now. And obviously, it's down from its all time highs over here. But I'm kind of looking at this thing saying, you know, I wanted a little bit more of a tip because, you know, maybe I'm greedy. I wanted to buy a little bit lower, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see if prices get any lower than this. Kind of looking at this thing now it for the most part kind of broke out of this bull flag that we had it in broke up to the upside and now it's closing candles right near or on top of its major moving averages like the 20 and the 50 day moving average and if we're looking at the 200 that thing is so far beneath us i mean if we're going to measure this one out the 200 day moving average and you know there we go and the 200 day moving average is about 50% below the current price of solana and so we're looking at this thing it's had a great year and the evidence the data that we have in front of us right now is saying solana wants to continue staying strong and it's one on the radar you know tiva did you have any thoughts about this one i'm just i mean what a wild week right
1: Yeah, as your typical retail trader brain, like, I woke up to our group, you know, message, Solana's offline, (laughs) tweets, Solana's offline, you look on Twitter, it's still offline, and I'm getting out of bed, like, skipping the morning coffee, being like, I I don't want to look at my crypto wallet right now, like, that is Mm. just going to be an absolute kick in the nuts, and, you know, earlier in the morning, you look it up, it was, like, down a percent, and then, like you said, it closed the day higher, and... Yeah, again, no technical analysis from my end at all, just the sentiment of strength that the holders show was was unbelievable. Like I didn't believe it. It was hard, it was hard to kind of digest. Um but like you said, it just shows strength. The chart supports that. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to it would be interesting. Yeah. Maybe we can work on getting you know, Austin Federa back on or somebody from Solana, um, you know, sooner rather than later, I'm sure they'll have some, some, you know, feedback from what happened from their research to what went wrong, but. Yeah. I mean, let us know everyone,
0: if you want us to bring on the Solana team and ask them about what happened and kind of dig into those questions, definitely let us know. And we'd be happy to to dig a little bit deeper and everything that's happening over there now. You know, something else that I saw on the news here was MetaMask. MetaMask is back in the news. Last week we talked about Solana. Last week we talked about MetaMask. And well, both of them are back. So with MetaMask, it's a little bit different this time around because uh, MetaMask st- uh, struck a deal with Robinhood. Uh, and the main plan here is to essentially just broaden crypto access to the masses. Now, <clears throat> how do they plan to do this? Well, Metamask is now going to allow users to buy crypto on Robinhood and actually send it over uh, to Metamask via a new buy feature. Now, why does this matter? Well, last week we talked about the opposite. Instead of saying crypto people um, can use wallets as an off ramp, which is what we talked about last week, this week we're flipping it upside down and saying not only are off ramps getting easier from wallets, but now on-ramps are also becoming easier. And you have some of the biggest names in the space, especially to all you listeners that are in the States. You know, Robinhood's a fairly popular, I would even go beyond that. I'd say it's a very popular uh, stock trading app for retail investors in the United States who are using smartphones. Um, now, if you're using maybe like a, a web browser or something like that, obviously you have a bunch of other you know competitors out there. But this is just another example of, how crypto is getting you know, increasingly more easy for the everyday person to invest in. And this has been a massive, a massive, massive uh, trend that we've seen over the last, I would say maybe year or two, is the big focus has been shifting to how can everyone have access to crypto in the easiest way possible so that, so that they don't have to worry about the complexity of decentralized onboarding and wallets and, and all this stuff. How can we make it so easy that it seems just as seamless to what they're used to in Web 2 and then kind of convert that to Web 3 so that people can have an overall better experience because they're going to be in Web 3, which is going to benefit the the retail more? And how can we make that without any of the struggles that might come with that as well? And so this is just another way that it's happening. And so Robinhood has a really cool partnership. You know, I think it was... Man, a couple of weeks ago, TiVo, we actually had one of the Robinhood guys who, who runs the crypto side of Robinhood on, and he seems really optimistic about the future. I'm sure that he hand, had a hand in this matter. Uh, but again, it's just a really good thing. And so this kind of allows a whole new era of traders um, access to more crypto products, which is a really cool thing. And so you know we'll see you know the the Robin Hood traders are known for being the uh, the Reddit Warriors and they usually have some pretty wild and extreme trades, which I think is going to be personally pretty fun to see hopefully they uh they side with us like they did with like gamestop and and some of these other ones which they seemingly like to do you know a lot of the the Robin Hood traders like the volatility that the crypto markets bring and for uh,
1: sure. So we had Johan Kerbot on. Uh, He was the we had it was December nineteenth, so not that long ago. He's the GM of crypto at Robinhood. So just the fact that they have a GM of crypto obviously means that you know they have a whole department there focused on, you know, trying to bring more on to that side of the business. And I'll give, I'll give a little TiVo tidbit here. You'll like this one, Brendan. And this is obviously, as yeah. we always say, nothing of this of the sort is financial advice, especially when it's coming out of my mouth. I'm more of a gambler. And when we had him on on December, I believe it was like December. We probably had him on a week or two before, before we put out the episodes. So let's say yeah. like first or second week of December. I went and bought a lot of Robinhood calls uh, on some options on via Robinhood. And my thought was I was okay. playing the end of the end of year uh, price um, interest rate call, and like it was you know Fed speak was coming that week as well, and so it ended up working out. And here here's what I saw between the two is that the um, Coinbase had a huge run up uh, with the Bitcoin ETF, and Robinhood oh, yeah. Robinhood I was participating at the same time going up. But what I found interesting was the correlation was no longer there in the new year. Right in the new year, like January, that first week of January, Robinhood started selling off, and is still. I, I kind of, I guess, found support about 10 ten ten fifty. It's been pretty stagnant for a couple for about a week or two here, but it sold off as Coinbase kept rocketing and MicroStrategy kept rocketing into the ETF news, and then sold off. And so I think this is this is again a personal opinion here, but I think that Robinhood. As an underlying business, from what I've heard on the CNBC and the investment shows is that it, it as an entity, it actually could be fairly undervalued, especially with interest rate hikes. So it could be an interest rate play. And it, I, I don't think the crypto play at all is priced into that stock. So if you see a huge you know, Bitcoin spike and crypto spike, I, I think those revenues are going to start launching again, along with the traditional retail trader coming into the mix as well. And and I'm not alone on this. this. This was a this was your TiVo tidbit. You heard it here first. But in January, uh Arc offloaded a bunch of Coinbase and then moved into Robinhood. So I, I am I am in that trade. I'm long Robin Hood calls into next year. And uh yeah, I don't know. We put it out there. So we got it recorded. And you know, again, just from my side, I like to gamble a little bit, but we'll see how that plays out in the, into this year.
0: Yeah, no. We love that. I mean, the more plugged in that Robin Hood gets with crypto, the more long we are, right? So, Tiva, I'm expecting that if they come out with more crypto news, we're going to have to double those calls.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll <laughs> give an update. We'll give an update. I think they expire <laughs> the expiration date's like January of next year. So, we we have time. We have time. Cool. We have time. That's a good thing, you know. Time is going
0: to be on your side if you're long the crypto markets and if you're not long the crypto markets, time is certainly not on your side you know you look at the past four years five years ten years of performance well it hasn't panned too well out for the shorts and you know i would assume that everyone that has been long for multiple years of the crypto market is probably liquidated by now but that kind of brings me to our next point over here in that you know bitcoin is consolidating at our current prices and i want to throw up a chart in just a second here but what we're seeing is that medium to large cap altcoins are actually doing really well. And there's one category in specific that we're going to talk about, uh, you know, basically around the whole idea of Ethereum. But I want to go ahead and pull us over to the charts so that we can kind of see exactly what's happening and what it means when I say that uh, Bitcoin is kind of consolidating while altcoins are, are relatively ripping. And so we go all the way back to last week, you know, last Wednesday, even a little bit before that, you go back to last one last Monday. Um, We had a nice little leg up in the crypto markets above the major moving averages. But what happened after that? Well, afterwards, we just saw this period of consolidation over here, right? We look at this and we're saying, well, not much has happened. Bitcoin is stuck between 42,000 on the low end, then maybe like 43,700 on the high end. And so it's about a, you know, 15 to $1,700 range that the price has just been stuck in and consolidating and not much has been happening. Look, guys, taxes, they stink, but they're a
2: part of life. And crypto taxes can particularly stink. And now the IRS, they're cracking down, increasing audits, and in turn, increasing your financial risk. So that's why I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Guard Dog by Crypto Tax Audit. Now, Guard Dog is kind of like car insurance, but for your taxes. Now, GuardDog's an early warning indicator constantly scanning your financial landscape for audit risk, sending you monthly reports on the status of your IRS account and warning you about potential audits up to six months in advance. And if that happens, GuardDog can work with you to correct any issues and potentially even help you avoid an audit altogether. And on top of all this, GuardDog even detects when you're eligible for refunds that you might not have even known about. So stop worrying about your taxes and learn how you can get started by going to CryptoTaxAudit.com. Again, that's our newest sponsor, GuardDog. You can find him at CryptoTaxAudit.com, and you can sign up
0: today. But then you go and you look at altcoins. I mean, even Ethereum is gradually moving up over the last week or two. Then you also go and you look at a lot of other charts. Um, We mentioned Solana. But the big kind of shift here of what I'm seeing is that Ethereum-related projects are doing really, really good. And this is because we have the Denkun upgrade coming, I believe it's actually tomorrow, um, on February 8th. And so this is going to be a big old upgrade for Ethereum. And essentially the way that this is going to work is that this is going to be introduced tomorrow and it's going to be a big upgrade for layer twos on Ethereum. And the idea here is that it's actually going to increase scalability and thus uh, reduce transaction costs for things like Optimism and Matic and um, Arbitrum is another one. And so all those layer twos out there are expected to get a essentially just like a gas fee reduction and a scalability upgrade via something called Proto Dank sharding. Uh, But they're not the only cryptos that are kind of limited by this run over here, because even Ethereum related projects that aren't layer twos are doing really good. I mean, just in the last couple of days, if we look at like ENS, for example, ENS in the past three, four days over here ended up shooting up 47%. Even to where it's currently priced at, it's up about 24% in the last three days. Uh, And they are just an Ethereum name service for Ethereum. You also go and you look at things like Uniswap, back on the rise. You look at Rocket Pool and Lido, um, which are liquid staking platforms for uh, Ethereum. And these are on the rise for the past couple uh, days as well. And so you look at the past three days, these things are kind of moving back up. But Optimism and Arbitrum, especially over here, with Optimism being arguably one of the top performers from this thing, we're looking at this chart and this thing is just ever since basically a few weeks ago around January 23rd, this thing bottomed out and it's just been on the slow uptrend grind ever since then over there. And so even yesterday, Optimism hit a new multi-week high of around $3.38. Um, and today it's it's seemingly still pushing. It's still green on the day. And so that's one of the big areas that I'm watching out for. And so you know, as someone who does a lot of trading and is been in crypto for years now, I like to use these fundamental news events as a way to kind of identify maybe the most interesting areas to trade and where the most potential is inside all these different sectors for crypto. Because you look at crypto at face value, and we have tens of thousands, potentially even hundreds of thousands uh, of different crypto projects. And the main question that people have is, how do I know which ones to trade? Well, this week, for example, we have the Ethereum Denkun upgrade. And so with the Ethereum Denkun upgrade, I'm saying, well, what could be the most impacted by this? And it's Ethereum and Ethereum related projects, which makes me kind of turn my trading eyes, my trading senses more towards these projects that are the most likely to be impacted from this. And then from there I can say, okay, well, not that I can't trade other things this week, but I wanna pay special attention to things like Optimism and Arbitrum and you know, Ethereum and maybe ENS, for example. Polygon, all these other tokens that have the most potential for an increase in volatility. And so that's what we're kind of seeing on the charts over here as well, is that these things are looking good. Now, who knows? We need to see what happens to the news. Uh, Obviously, there is a big old popular saying in any kind of like trading, not just crypto, but it's the whole like, um, buy the rumor, sell the news event. And so the idea behind that is that things pump up into the news. Once the news actually gets released, things fall back down to a more normalized price. And one could even say that we saw that recently with everything that happened on the ETF side of things. And so on the crypto world, you know, that's what we're kind of still looking at over here. Again, layer twos and Ethereum related projects are, are crushing it this week. They're some of the top performers. They're doing really, really well. Um, But other ones that stood out beyond this are things like Chainlink. Uh, Chainlink is obviously an ERC-20 token, not nearly as related as like Optimism or Arbitrum or Matic is to this event. Um, But Chainlink did awesome. I mean, in the same time period that we've been talking about with a lot of these other projects, Chainlink over here went on a huge rise. So it did about 46%. And this is a fairly large market cap crypto. Even to where we're at right now, it's still up over 30%. Uh, And this thing hit a new yearly high just two days ago. Looking over at other things as well. Um, You look at, uh, where is it? Uh, Immutable X. Immutable X has been off really well off the lows. Same time period, January 23rd. This thing's been on a tear. And the big thing that I'm kind of seeing over here on the uh, daily chart on IMX is that it looks like it did a beautiful, just near perfect break, hook, and go. And so this thing's seeing a lot of support around like $2 to $2.10 over here, right around the 50-day moving average. Even below that, it still has the 20-day moving average. And not only has it been performing well, um, but it's actually using the moving averages really uh, respectfully as well. And so we're looking at the crypto markets as a whole. I think that there certainly are other opportunities out there. I know Jupiter has been in the news quite a bit here recently. Um, but another one that we've been looking at is maybe things like Render and uh, Injective and um, Sui has been another one that's just been popping off here recently with constantly hitting new highs. And, I, you know, I forget if we brought up Sui um, in, in one of our previous week's episode. I feel like we did. Um, but Sui has been another one that's just been probably one of the best performing cryptos of 2024 so far. You kind of look at this thing and you're saying, Hey, this actually started the year off over here at around 76 cents and it's already up near double that at a dollar and 50 cents. And so, you know, when you're looking at what cryptos to kind of watch and maybe you're new to the crypto space and you're like, "Hey, I don't really know what's hot right now." Well, you know, hopefully that added a little bit of of clarity to that matter. Obviously, there's so many other great cryptos. If we had all day, we could probably go through, I mean, I think everyone can see how big my watch list is over here, but I have a ton of cryptos that I'm watching and there's obviously other ones outside of this list um, that are that are doing well and that I'm interested in. But I hope that adds a little bit of clarity of, you know, if you're wondering, hey, I want newer crypto projects or I kind of want to see what's hot right now. You know, those are a few that are on the top of my mind.
1: Yeah, and I got a couple things to add. So, number one, if you're interested in Sui, make sure you go back and listen to episode 552 if you haven't. We interviewed the co-founder of uh, Sui, so check that out for uh, you know some base level learning. Um, two things around Ethereum. Let's pull up this tweet. This is from our guy James. We've got uh, we had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He's our Bloomberg analyst James Safar and he gave us really like you said the buy the rumor sell the news is I, ca- I guess whatever kind of happens with the upgrade this week even if it's a sell off yeah. maybe that's a buying opportunity because according to him the only date for the ETF that really matters is is May. So, <clears throat> you know, you'd hope price, you know, goes up into that. So any dips could be a buying opportunity if you're trying to play the Ethereum ETF. And then um, you were talking about ENS, Ethereum Name as a Service. I actually just caught this on the uh, Twitter feed earlier this week. I think it was February 5th. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, GoDaddy partnered with uh, ENS. Whoa, that's huge. No, I didn't. Yeah, this came out on Monday, February 5th. So um, GoDaddy.com and Ethereum Name Service sign a partnership that will allow users to link the web-based .eth domains to the DNS top-level domains at no cost so that's quite the partnership there
0: for for people who aren't as familiar godaddy does like typical domain services so if you want to have a website that is like you know brendanantivo.com then you'd go to somewhere like godaddy and get that domain registered and you could own it or rent it uh ens is essentially the crypto version of that so people can get uh decentralized domains done and so you're having pretty much the largest Uh, name service system on Ethereum, partner with one of the largest traditional name service systems. And that's a pretty big partnership.
1: Yeah, no, I caught that caught my eye. And then you brought up the ENS price action. Um, Obviously, the upgrade's part of that. But I think ENS got a big pop on that news as well. Yeah.
0: Well, when it comes in terms of news, you know, that's what we see going on this week. But there is one more thing, as a lot of you know. We like to leave everyone with a little bit of a funny story or a laugh or, or leave things on on light terms and you know whether this one's funny I guess can be debated by you personally it's funny but it's not funny but I personally find it a little bit funny uh, Tivo I don't know if you saw this but there was just one of the largest deep fake scams that... I, I don't even know if we can call this a scam, but it was like one of the, the largest deep fake heists that we've seen today. And, and so it was for over $25 million. This happened recently over in China. And so the way that it played out is this guy got a phishing email And originally he knew it was that. He basically went to his company and reported it and was like, I'm not gonna fall for this thing. But he ended up getting a message from his fellow employers saying, hey, hop on this video call with us. And so he hops on, it's the CFO and a couple other people that work at his company, a couple of his other employees and peers. And they're all telling him, no, it's okay, it's legit. Like, It's a mistake, you actually need to wire uh, and reverse this money. Over and so he's there talking to his, his fellow employees and the CFO it was, and yeah, they're the it ones the on CFO to
1: do it. which is wild like to go all the way up to the CFO wild it's nuts
0: and it turns out everyone on the call the CFO all the other employees they're all fakes by people from who knows where and they're convincing him to wire this money and he has no idea this is people that he works with and that he probably knows and so. I can only imagine after this happens, they're like, you know, let's just say his name's Steve. They're like, Steve, what did you do with the twenty-five million dollars? Where are you wiring this stuff to? And he's like, What do you mean? I talked to, I talked to uh, to Jack over there, and he told me to to wire it over to these people that we that we don't know. And yeah, and so that's what happened. And so they used deepfakes. A group of people imitated all of his employees and his executives. And they convinced this man to wire $25.6 million over somewhere else. And it's this big to do because to date, this is the largest kind of instance of, of abuse of this that we've seen so far. And, uh,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, Tiva, what do
0: you think about this? That's just.
1: Yeah. You hate to see it. Number one, I, f- I kind of feel bad for the guy because I mean, in, especially in any line of work, like, do you still have a job after that? Probably not. Um, and, and yeah, just, I I don't know. I just feel like you want to call them stupid, but you also don't because I don't know. These fakes are getting wild out there. Yeah. And it, it, you see it all the time with like, you know, whether you're scrolling, whatever social media you scroll, I think TikTok's kind of the worst with it, but like you'll see, Mike, the Michael Saylor one we brought up, where it's you know a fake oh, Michael yeah. Saylor. give me your Bitcoin, or there's tons of Joe Rogan ones selling all different types of supplements, yep, um, and some of them are really bad, and you're like, oh, that's that's fake, but then there's some like the one of the Michael Saylor ones I caught was like ah, that was bad. like I saw it and I was like, is this real? And then you watch and you're like, no, it's not real from what he's yeah. saying, but it looks and sounds real, <clears> and it, it's only gonna get worse.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you're right. And I think maybe a better way to, than to say that this is funny is more so to say that it's entertaining uh, because we're getting to a spot where this is it's like you said, it's only really going to get better. And so while it might not be funny, it's just a wild, entertaining story. Uh, and I think that we can use this as learning scene. And so for all you crypto people out there, you know, crypto is kind of notorious for this stuff. You know, TiVo, you just brought up the whole Michael Saylor thing. I've seen other stuff with like Brad Garlinghouse and people from XRP saying the same thing. I've seen people from the Solana Foundation, like all these, you know, Vitalik, there's all these things out there of deep fakes. It could even be a deep fake of us in the future, of me, of TiVo, of Bryce, of, of who knows who, saying "Send us your crypto" or "We need help and we've been hacked and we we can't have access" and whatever it may be. You know, we are never going to reach out to you and ask you to send us like anything via a crypto wallet. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. And so. Let that be a reminder, everyone, you know, deep fakes are getting real. I've heard other examples of people deep faking voices and calling, and it could be like my dad's calling me and it sounds like my dad and my dad's like, oh, I, you know, I got in jail or I, my car broke down and I don't have my wallet on me, you know, can you send me money or whatever it may be? And those are just another way of that. This stuff is happening out there. And so again, it's extremely relevant when it comes to the crypto space. And we just wanted to kind of use that as a story to be able to kind of forward that message to all of you and say stay vigilant out there. Don't send your crypto to anyone. Your crypto is yours and uh you know again yeah, just just pay attention to this stuff moving forward because we do expect that it's going to get even more advanced than it already is. And if it can fool someone to send $25 million from a business perspective, then it can certainly fool the average retail person that doesn't know any better. And so we just wanted to shine some awareness on this situation.
1: Yeah, no, well said. Um, Yeah, scary world out there, but, you know, stay vigilant,
0: stay smart. Yeah, hey Tivo, you know, I fully agree with you, man. Uh, but that's going to bring us a wrap to this week and man there's a lot going on a lot to pay attention to we got a big upgrade coming tomorrow if you're watching this the day that it gets released and as always everyone we're going to be back next week we come at you every single week with new information we talk to you about everything that's happening on the charts and the, in the news so if you're busy and you feel like you don't have time to research everything that's happening in the great world of crypto Again, you don't have to be the one to do it. Let us bring you the news. We certainly enjoy doing it, but we will be here at the same time, same place next week.